accepting change. That's the hardest thing for man, accepting change. And when I was on that tour bus and things is happening back home in my city or in my family that I can't do nothing about, it's out of my control, mm -hmm. I don't put it in God's hands, I couldn't understand that. And that, that can draw a thin line you know, between you having your sanity and you losing it. And this, this is how artists deteriorate if you don't catch yourself. So, uh, with these things happening, my release therapy is, is writing the music. Welcome to a Myths and Men podcast, recorded live in Atlanta, Georgia. On this show, you enjoy candid conversations for men, by men, about men's issues with an amazing twist. By exploring the arts, music, games, and film, our aim is to help men better understand themselves and navigate through life's daily challenges in order to become happier and more successful. I'm your co-host, John Parker. And I'm your co-host, Dr. Daniel P. David. And this is of Myths and Men. Oh, man. Good morning, world. I'm John Parker. And I'm Dr. Daniel David. And this is another exciting episode of Of Myths and Men podcast. And another exciting Saturday morning. Listen, man, I think you've, you've <laughs> broken my cycle. Yeah, I don't even look forward to sleeping I, in on Saturdays anymore. I have succeeded. You won. You won. You won. <laughs> You're always winning, man. So today we have a a new thing we're doing. You yes. Know, we're, we're diving yes. into the world of hip-hop music. Yes. Imagine that. I know. Thought? This is exciting, actually. This yeah. is going to be a great ride. We're going to look into an artist today. His name is Kendrick Lamar. He's 29 years old from Compton, California. Uh, and he's, he's, he's experienced a lot in 29 years and seen a lot. And today we're going to talk about the highs and lows of being a, I don't know, a star, um, right. depression, survivor's guilt, uh, community activism, being a responsible person. You know, we got a lot of deep stuff to kind of go through. And we're going to look at it through the lens of Kendrick Lamar and, again, hip-hop music. Awesome. So, yes, um, I, so many different places we can go and start. But I just want to start off with first impressions of you, sir, or for you. First impressions from you yes. about Kendrick and what yes. have you come across so far. You know, obviously this isn't my world. Oh, what? It, it isn't. Mm. However, uh -huh. however, uh -huh. however, it doesn't mean that it's not important and that true, it's not valuable. True, true. And... Um, I've had a lot of experience with young people who love uh, rap music, mm -hmm. and yes, I've listened to rap music, and I do have some enjoyment in that. What was important for me when I was listening to Kendrick's music and some some of his interviews, and I know you've talked about him in the past, so I I'm glad that we're doing this show on him and and the themes that are related to his life and also to people who relate to him, and mm -hmm. and so you know. I think that rap comes across sometimes as hard mm -hmm. and tough. Yeah. And I used to work in New York City in the streets of New York with um, gang members and things like that. And so, you know, I, I could I could get a sense of that. And, you know, you look at album covers and, and you, you know, you see the ads and things like that. And, and it, it does come across as harsh mm -hmm. and hard sometimes. Mm -hmm. I think that what I was so impressed with and so uh, influenced by was when I listened to him, how... Kendrick was such a um, sensitive mm. individual, mm -hmm. yeah. a yeah. real, I mean, a real sweet guy. Right. And yeah. I, I don't know what that does for anyone's macho-ness, <laughs> right? But to be honest, I, I felt that he was so um, gentle and sweet and very conscious as uh, an artist and really had a, a sense of why he had to write the lyrics of songs and, and 
and give a certain message. And I could see that he's very deep. Mm-hmm. And so I was really struck by the themes that he talked about, mm-hmm. especially about people being seen as bad. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's, you know, where I felt most, um, you know, sort of sad about the way people are seen and especially young people nowadays, you know, rappers or people in the streets, we, we want to kind of vilify them. You know, we got a lot of political talk around, you know, um, um, making people into others and, and not human beings. And so to me, uh, his message is about making people people and looking at them for being people and not others and, and turning them into the enemy, uh, you know, sort of the uh, us against them sort of mentality. I think that is where we are suffering the most in this country is that we really do thrive off of us against them. And I think his message is we're all people. And um, just because we may have a, a, a tough exterior doesn't mean we don't have a, a a caring heart on the inside and it doesn't mean we don't hurt on the inside so that was my first impression yeah that was some some deep first impressions that it's it's interesting that you mentioned just the bravado and the image that gets portrayed in rap music so mm-hmm. the very very brief and not even any way near thorough um synopsis of rap music is that it it started from a place of I mean, depending on who you talk to, you it, it kind of started as party music and people just kind of having a good time. And then Public Enemy, NWA, certain groups came about and their message was like, hey, you know, there's a system out to get me. Um, there are people that I don't trust. There are things that I have a voice and I need to complain about. Um, KRS-One. I mean, it was just a lot of guys. And so they had there was uh, Public Enemy had songs about like 911 is a joke talking about how it takes 911 an hour to get to the black community but if I call and say there's a white lady down on the ground they'll come immediately you know what right, I mean it just right. just discrepancies and different things that start off as a voice and so that's why I was angry that's why it was loud that's why I was in your face because the messages were that of a Martin Luther King I mean I'm sorry of a Ma- Malcolm X versus a Martin Luther King it wasn't about peace and sit-ins and getting beat up for your for the sake of uh, forwarding some bigger picture it was like hey man when do we want it now? You know what I mean? Right. That type of uh, message. And so that has carried on into today where you'll have guys putting on these images, these tough guy personas, these uh, I'm hard, don't mess with me or whatever. Part of that is coming from the streets. If Unless you're like a you know a Will Smith or something that didn't grow up necessarily in the same type of environment as uh, Kendrick Lamar. So your 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 personality is going to be a little different when you're when you're in the music. Uh, when you're making music, I should say. And so you'll have people that are like Kendrick, who are thoughtful, who are kind, who are conscious, who want to change communities and change people's lives, who will present messages in a safer manner despite what the presentation looks like. You know, because he doesn't have to pretend like he's hard. He doesn't have to put on a show. But as we will talk about in the album cover, I know you had some thoughts on the uh, To Pimp a Butterfly album cover, but he he's okay with showing a softer side he's okay with not having to you know whip out guns and say he's going to do this and do that and shoot this person up and you know we're going to do and that's just i mean because he's he's transcended that you know i heard that in his interviews he really has um been very thoughtful about his music and his his fame and using it for good rather than evil i i think that you know, we're going to talk a little bit about his depression and some of the things that he went through. 
But he did really make me think about the environment that young people grow up in. Mm-hmm. I, you know, as a therapist and life, life coach, and we're both working with uh, young people, young men, uh, it's, we, we kind of get off on uh, the parenting or how, how uh, kids are parented, and we, we think about that, and that's very important. And we're not here to bash any parenting either, but we're, we focus on how, how was the individual parented mm-hmm. more than the environment that they grew up in. And so even with good parenting, if there's a harsh environment, right, right. you know, and if there's a lot of poverty or a lot of um, violence, um, you know, then what's that going to do to that kid who's walking to school with his backpack and he's, you know, being picked on or there's a fear of, uh, you know, violence or being robbed or or whatever. It's it's you know it's important that we really think about environment for kids, mm-hmm. and it is important uh, uh, to create a social consciousness that says, okay, you know, we can we can help these kids in many different ways, and we can help them um, by having uh, good uh, mentoring and good pa- parenting around mm-hmm. them. But if the environment isn't good, you know, it's going to still lead them to you know, being afraid and having all of this this angst yeah, that, yeah. that we see. I mean, a lot of talk now amongst, uh, you know, just researchers is just really looking at PTSD as a, a wide-sweeping uh, diagnosis for people growing up in contexts like Kendrick Lamar. You know, Compton's, the right. Watts, the, uh, I mean, not so much Atlanta, the Chicago's, you know, the, those, those inner-city, inner-city places. Um, and the thing with Kendrick, he talks about his music as his therapy. You know, his his writing, his poetry, all the stuff that he does allows him to get his get his thoughts on paper. It allows him to express himself. It allows him to get out of himself and get out of his head, right. so that he doesn't. I mean, even I mean, we'll talk about it. He he struggles with depression. He struggles with survivor's guilt. He struggles with all these different things. Getting off a tour bus and going to a funeral. You know what I mean? I'm right. seeing the world and doing all these wonderful things, but then when I come back home, I'm burying one of my homies. You know, and so that weighs a lot on people. And so he is again, you know, something happened. Some something got sparked. He credits a lot to Tupac, you know, but something sparked in his mind, and he was able to see the bigger picture. And again, like using these positive outlets to create the change, to try to figure out how can I change the environment. Um, if I can't physically take everybody out of the hood, how can I liberate them mentally? Which maybe will lead to um, changing that's beneficial to those environments. Right, you you uh, spoke to me a little earlier about uh, the type of rap mm-hmm. that he, uh, he and, and that he represents. So, can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's typically known as conscious hip hop, uh, conscious rap, and so you know people like to, like to give categories, right? So you have gangster rap, or you have you know whatever, whatever. So his genre and what he does, it kind of creates dialogue. It makes you think. You have to go and listen to it three or four times. You have to wonder, is he speaking literally? Is it figuratively? Is it symbolically? Like, is this his story? Is he telling someone else's story? And so what it does is it creates conversation. Um, it creates um, intellectual, you know, like sword fights where people are, right. no, I think it means this, I think it means that, all the while create conversation is being created. And the goal with conscious rap and hip-hop is to, again, um, act as a therapeutic model so people don't have to act out their thoughts on the street. Um, so is he trying to raise their consciousness? Yes. He's, so, yes. So the word, you know, conscious rap is, you know, yes, a play on that, like trying to raise consciousness, talking about subjects that are 
uh, important that aren't just parties and hanging out and getting drunk and getting high and you know whatever. Um, it's 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 not about that. There's there's bigger pictures in life and things are deeper. And I think another element too, uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit is this woke thing, right? Right. right. And so that comes kind of hand in hand with uh, being a conscious rapper and consciousness. So there there's idea in the in the black community of being woke and being woke is kind of one of those things where you are aware of your history. You're aware of cultural phenomena. You're aware of politics. You're aware of economy, how the world works. And this is the element that Kendrick kind of adds to his music and hipping people to the game, as we say, hipping people to the game and understanding certain things. So with his perspective, where he's been, he's seen the world, he's hero's journey, right? He's coming back with the elixir. And the idea for him is like, I have information for people and I'm trying to awaken people. It's almost like... um, seeing mummies or walking around or seeing zombies walking around and having the ability to bring new life to these dead people. And so when you're woke, when you're conscious, you're, that's your aim in your music is to bring life to these dead bodies, you know, and so to, to give them energy, to, to revitalize their spirits. And people don't see that and the ability for that to happen in hip-hop music because of the, 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 the squeaky wheel gets the oil because you hear these loud voices and hear these people that have these platforms that are making money and popular but their messages aren't they're just not that deep it's just entertainment and so Kendrick transcends that entertainment by being conscious and awakening people and being um, having that element of being woke and trying to wake people up you know it reminds me of back in the day when I was in New York City and you know I'd see these young guys maybe 15 16 17 maybe up to 20s mid 20s really angry uh you know and I would I would look at them and and want to uh talk with them and people would say to me well what you know why do you want to care about these guys and uh what do you see in them and you know whenever I sat down with anyone one of these individuals uh that were out on the streets they you know there was some bitterness there I could really tell the the hurt and the bitterness. Statements like, well, um, if people give up on me, well, then why should I care, you know, and fuck the system and um, I'll show them, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I'll yeah. show them what they, they turned me into. If they if they look at me as a monster, I'll be a monster. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, psychologically, you know, I understand that, you know, they come from a place of hurt, mm-hmm. you know, and, and when people... There's, we have a saying around here, hurt men hurt men, mm-hmm. or hurt people hurt people. Yes. And, you know, it, it, it is, it, you know, when I was listening to Kendrick and and to uh, to Pimp a Butterfly, it was really, it stood out to me that there was a lot of hurt here mm-hmm. that he's talking about, not only in himself, but what he sees in, in um, others in his community. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important to recognize that this is this whole thing about turning people into bad people mm-hmm. you know he, he mentioned this uh, especially about the album cover uh, and you know he says that basically people look at them as bad people or a menace to society but they're actually good people and they're just a product of their environment yeah. and and I think that's really key here yeah it's it's interesting because we talk about men's therapy we talk about men's health we talk about psychology and people Again, in these communities, I can't speak for all communities, you just get tired of trying to do the right thing and you have all these obstacles against you. Poor education, institutionalized racism, 
can't get loans from the bank. You know, all these things that happen that people don't have any idea, like, oh, it's just they didn't qualify for it. They deny privilege. They deny, you know, certain things that exist. The point I'm trying to make is that when you have people that are oppressed and can't see a way out and get demonized and get treated like you could, it could be me. Like I, I am a, a normal citizen. I've been pulled over, and I hate to dwell on the same things, but, you know, just think it through mentality. Right. I get pulled over by a police officer. I get treated like a criminal, and I'm like, yo, I haven't done anything. You're talking to me reckless. You're being rude and disrespectful. Right. And I'm supposed to just say, yes, sir, no, sir. And I'm like, yo, like, you've run my plates and you have my ID. I don't have any warrants. There's no drugs or guns. Why can't you respect me? And so right. then it, it creates an environment where I'm like, well, you know what? I'm not going to take this anymore. And I'm going to respond in kind. And then I get arrested, and then my life is ruined. So you see these people that have had... Injustice after injustice after injustice, trial and tribulation after trial and tribulation. It's almost like being in a relationship and your your wife or girlfriend calls you an asshole. You're like, yo, well, I'll show you what an asshole is. Right. You know what I mean? Because I wasn't trying to be one, but I, I'm responding to what you've labeled me and what you're saying. So that happens over and over and over in the community. And it's like people just get tired of trying to do the right thing when they have all these obstacles against them. And I, I just wanted to say that, but I think I just went on a little tangent. But that's just that's the reality. You have good people. You have well-intentioned people good meaning well-meaning people but after a while you just lose that fight man and you just don't want to fight. i think it's really important to emphasize that that these guys that i worked with were some of the most ki kindest guys the most loving guys uh they they would die for one another and and people wanted to make them out to be the enemy but they were just wounded mm -hmm. they were really hurt and my, my whole thing is about compassion yeah. and really thinking about where are individuals coming from, not looking at just behavior as we often get into, but looking at where the wound is. Why are they, why, why is this young person acting this way? Yeah. I think it's the term behavior and context makes sense, right? So mm -hmm. if you understand the context in which people develop, their family of origin, the neighborhoods, their communities, uh, the resources, lack thereof, whatever the case may be, and you have compassion, like you're saying, and you can think through things you would understand. But people, like you said, they like to put people in boxes. They like to blame them. They like to make them out to be the bad guy and enemies. It's much easier to hate your enemy when you don't understand where they come from and if you believe them to be the worst of the worst. You can't, you can't hate somebody that you have compassion for. You know, when you understand what somebody is going through and where they're coming from, it just doesn't work that way. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, you know, I guess what my concern is as we work with young men is how can we help them? Yeah. How can we reach out to them? How can we keep them from uh, and prevent them from going off the beaten path? I think it's, it's catching them early. And if you can't catch them early, um, when you do get a hold of them, you want to build self-esteem. You know, you want to... Uh, put in them a sense of pride um, and an affirmation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's you would be surprised those guys that you were talking about and the guys that we meet and the guys that we see how low their self-esteem is, how worthless they feel, how uh, oppressed and depressed they feel. And I think first steps is really building up within them the idea that they are important. A lot of things that people do in the, in the you know, black African-American context is when you're doing mentoring programs or rites of passage programs, you try to change the mentality of um, I am this, what the world says I am, and, and, and reframe that into you come from kings, you come from queens. There was a legacy that existed for people like you before the continental slave trade, the transcontinental slave trade. Um, and even since then, you have had 
presidents. You've had, you know, you have, you know, uh, congressmen, doctors, lawyers. And so once you start educating people and build up their self-esteem and put pride in them, their worldview will change. And they won't be victims. They'll be victors. And they'll realize that they can be victorious and overcome the situations. And it's, it's, it's so funny that people just don't understand how important that is to someone growing up and having that. You know what? I think a majority culture doesn't have that issue. They see themselves on money. They see themselves on TV. They see themselves um, in positive roles in entertainment um, and in real life. And they don't, they don't have that same idea of that I can't do something or that I'm not important, that I'm not worthy because they see positive images of themselves everywhere. And so building that self-esteem, putting that, building that pride, giving them worth and intrinsic value, um, I think is first steps. So do you see Kendrick as a positive role model? Absolutely. Like beyond a shadow of a doubt. It's funny because uh, amongst my religious friends, I like to say he's the greatest Christian rapper of all times. Uh, because really, yeah, he, he a lot of his music points to his relationship with God. Um, a lot of his music points to a higher power, giving him the strength to do what he does. He said in one of the interviews that he he feels like he hears from God and then he speaks you know, he hears from God through people like he has a song, How Much Does a Dollar Cost? And it's about his interaction with the homeless person and feeling like he was encouraged and chastised and given instruction from this homeless person that if he had brushed off, you know, he would have missed out on that. And he felt like God was speaking through him through that through that person. And so um, I often uh, have issues with Christian rappers because it's usually black guys. Right. And they don't use their platform to speak on these deeper issues like Kendrick does. But the idea that if there's a cause and you have a platform and you say nothing, you're just as guilty as the people that are committing the atrocities. You know right. what I'm saying? And so for me, with Kendrick, it's like, yo, like he embodies, he, you know, like what Tupac for me could have been had he had good guidance and uh, direction um, from male role models or whatever. But he, I mean, he's he's encouraging, he's uplifting. Again, his messages, if you don't like curse words, he curses, so what? You know what I'm saying? Like right, he, he, right. he uses real terminology and real language. Um, but I think that if more young men thought like him, if my, like I said before, if my, the son that I'm, that, that's on the wave is half as articulate and intelligent as Kendrick Lamar with just a high school diploma, like I would feel like I've accomplished something. I would feel like my, you know, like, absolutely, good job, Dad, absolutely. you know, and so he's beyond to me, like a role model. Like that's a, yeah. So do you, so you, I, I, I like what you said about Tupac and then Kendrick, mm-hmm. you almost see them as maybe Tupac needed someone like a Kendrick to, or or mentoring yeah um do you think that do you think that parents who may see their kids as growing up like tupac wanting to give them influence what do you think they can do about it i think it's like we've talked about before like on hero's journey finding the mentors um getting people around them that can provide that leadership and that guidance if you a nature of a young man is to be wild, is to explore, right. is to test boundaries, to push limits. And we don't have somebody that can rein that in and use that energy and that excitement and that um, zest and that zeal for positive things. You get a Tupac. Tupac was articulate. He was smart. He was brilliant. But when his back was against the wall and he got people in his circle that weren't telling him, hey, man, or in, in advising him, hey, don't do that, bro. Like, do something different. He was subject to you know just whatever came up like whatever thought whatever you know what i mean without having someone to pull him back and say hey maybe you shouldn't do that 
You shouldn't do the first thing that comes to your mind. You shouldn't just pop off. And he was angry and he was tired and he was frustrated. And so that's what happens to somebody when they become angry, tired, and frustrated, but don't have good people around them that can rein them in and say, hey, let's think through this before we respond. Let's 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 write and write and rewrite and rewrite and write and rewrite and then put this message out to the world. So we still had the ability to be conscious, but he had so much pain. He was so broken. He was so hurt. Um, he didn't have probably didn't have a good therapist, you know, what right. I mean? he didn't have a, right. a, a, somebody in his corner, a good life coach. And so I think that's the again, I'm long winter today. You got me excited. That's good. But, I mean, I like yeah, this. I'm, but I, I'm enjoying it. OK, cool. But I, I think that's the that's the step is like, hey, how do we get people involved in these young men's lives, your child's life so that they can take if it's frustration and anger and, and let that be moved into something positive or they can just take that energy that they have and be moved in a direction of of articulation um and not articulate like oh you're articulate for a black guy but just how do you um say what you're thinking and explain yourself in such a way that people can understand and they can grow and society can benefit from it so when we talk about wounded men what are the hurts that kendrick represent oh man um i think his overarching struggles are like depression um survivor's guilt um, feeling as if he has been able to transcend his environment of mm-hmm. Compton. He still comes back. He still visits. He still lives in the area. Um, but the fa- uh, he had a father. Uh, of course, you know, he had a mother and a father. So there doesn't seem to be a lot of father wounds. And I think that might make a difference for him and, and th- who he is, like having somebody actually there right. um, to kind of be a dad. I, you know, I haven't heard much from him in terms of what his dad was or meant to him, but you know, he, he does speak to it a little bit. Um, so I think his brokenness for him comes from seeing his community, seeing his people, seeing his friends, seeing death and destruction and devastation, um, being smart enough to like, yo, there's certain things I want to be involved in and certain things I don't want to be involved in. And then not being able to bring others out of that so i think for for him his wounds are just i think it's more so survivor's guilt because he sees all these things that has happened to him and he can't do much about certain things right like you said i we t- we talked about it before uh, in our pregame it's just like you're coming off a tour bus you have just saw south africa you've just toured around the world and then you step off your tour bus and go right into a funeral you know what I mean? Like that, that hurts. Like this person that you loved, that you wanted to say like, hey man, let me show you all these pictures and maybe take you on the next trip. They're dead and they're gone. And they're young, maybe younger than you, maybe your friend's little brother. And you didn't have the opportunity to share this elixir with them to hopefully spark something in their mind to get them out of gang culture or get them off the corner and get them out of the street. So I think for him, it's just seeing a lot what's going on and not being able to do something about it. Now, he did bring a lot of his friends along, correct? Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, there's documentaries out there. Uh, Vice Land did an episode called Bompton um, uh, on a show they call Noisy, and and, they they highlight one of his good friends that he's known since, like, third or fourth grade that has had legal trouble, um, that he's taken on trips with him, that he's taken to award shows. Um, So he does a lot of that. But, again, it's like, imagine you seeing thousands and thousands and thousands of people or even having people that are in your own home that grew up with you, and you're able to reach so many other people with your talents and skill sets, but the people that you call family, the people that you love, the people that grew up with you, like you, around you, don't get it, and they don't get the opportunity to get out, and they can't get out. That weighs heavy on you, you know. Right, heavy as the right. crown, you know. Heavy at the head, heavy as the head that wears a crown. So you have all this information, all this money now, all this fame, all this fortune, but that doesn't stop the killings. 
that doesn't stop the murders. That doesn't stop people getting hooked on drugs and, and prostituting themselves. And, you know, and it's like that. That's that's a weight, man. It's a terrible thing. So I think that's I feel, you know, without being Kendrick directly. But I think that's where a lot of his wounds are. It's 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 not like, you know, we think of, of typical, like, again, the father wound and the wounded son and stuff like that. It's more so just seeing and being so smart and being so aware and feeling helpless and feeling that that all these things that I'm doing aren't really <laughs> they're not they can't stop my friends from dying. Right, you know right. It's it's it's. What am I doing? Is it is it futile? Is it should I just kill myself too? Should I waste away somewhere? You know. It almost seems as though that higher consciousness is a type of burden because yes, being being aware and being awake mm-hmm. or woke, being woke, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is it, it's heavy because we're able to see what needs to change, what's really wrong with the system, but not knowing how to do it, and and that that sounds like a burden that he carries yeah, yeah that's the exact contrast of why some people become the i'ma just be what they say i am right because you don't want to do all that it's burdensome it's tiring it's taxing and sometimes you just give in and so the idea um like you're saying man it's it's one of those things where if i can't change things why am i doing what i'm doing I'm going to just stop or I'm going to just go swing all the way and just get all this money and get all this fame and fortune and have sex with all these chicks and just kind of be like whatever and be reckless. And he wants to use his platform for good. I don't know. And, and so it just becomes it's we have to encourage him and lift him up and so that he continues doing what he's doing, that he continues to be inspired despite what's going on. Um, and not that, again, like I can't call him and say thank you, but it's just like I, I can do stuff like this. You know, right. We can have these conversations. Right. You know, you know, when we talk about the hero's journey, it, it appears that he is going through this his own hero's journey, mm-hmm. and there must be some some level of despair. Like we talk about the mm-hmm. cave of entering the cave of despair, and what that really means. When we talk about a butterfly, it's it's a, a good analogy because a butterfly starts out as a caterpillar, mm-hmm. and the, then the caterpillar goes into the cocoon, mm-hmm. and there's a transformation that happens in this dark cocoon and eventually a butterfly comes out and you know one of the things that really struck me about his uh music and and some of the interviews was that he saw beauty in people right he really saw their value you know and he said you could use it for good or or evil and he chose to use his talents for good Mm -hmm. that he really wants to be an influencer uh, a change agent in in people's lives and especially in his community Mm -hmm. So I think that that in itself is really important. But, of course, we we can be wounded healers. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it seems as though he had some depression or some sort of difficulty. Yeah, he definitely talks about that a, uh, a lot in the, the Pimp a Butterfly album. And so depression for him, again, came from the survivor's guilt, came from not being able to uh, keep his friends from passing away. And the way it kind of worked out for him, according to the album, is that, you know, he's in a hotel room thinking about all the things that's going on, thinking about his life, thinking about the dead homies, people that are sick, dying, all this devastation and destruction, and it just overwhelmed him. Like, he's, he, he calls he calls Lucifer Lucy, so I don't know if he caught that and all of that. So he's like, the spoils of, of Lucy all around me. I, uh, there's there's a, a, a lot of things that they're happening. I'm at an after party and people getting drunk and having a good time. I should be living on top of the world. I should be enjoying all these things that are going on, but I can't escape the ideas of what's happening to my friends and family. You know, um, I'm seeing the world, I'm traveling. And he found that like, um, 
sometimes he found himself abusing his power, you know, and hating himself for doing that and seeing the contradiction of who he was. He has a song, uh, man, why can't I think of the name of the song right now? Um, but it, uh, the lyrics is, I'm the biggest hypocrite of 2015. And basically he talks about how he does, not him personally, but just black community where he will, black people will have the thought of, man, you know, uh, black lives matter and police are killing black people and all these things are happening. But as a gang member, I'll kill somebody as black as me because they're blood and I'm a crip or I'm a crip and they're blood. So how do I have this consciousness of, I want these injustices to stop, but if I'm on the block and somebody run up on me or say something crazy to me or if I got to protect my turf or whatever, I'm going to shoot somebody that looked like me but then get mad at somebody else that, you know, shoots somebody that looks like me, right? And so there's a lot of just contradictions that happen for him, for people that grow up like him. And I think part of the the guilt and shame that comes right. from these contradictions attributes to the depression. Not being able to change the situation attributes to the depression, Um Having money and money not solving problems like we're taught to believe causes depression. Seeing discrimination. Like you said, it's it's being conscious, being woke comes with a price. And it usually comes with weighing heavy on your mental, you know. And so um, weighing heavy on your mind. Sorry, that was a colloquialism. Right. Weighing heavy on your mental. So it's just like it, it, it creates that stress and it creates that depression. And if you don't have a good therapist, if you don't have somebody to talk to, if you don't have good people around you that you can get this off your chest and get this off your mind and get it on paper, get it on uh, a record or whatever, it'll it'll make you crazy. So what do parents do or what do, what needs to happen for young men in these communities? You know, um, I'm asking this question, but let me just add something here that I thought about. You know, we ha- there's a good book out there called King, Warrior, Magician, Lover. Mm-hmm. It's by Gillette and Moore. Um, I use it all the time. You know, I have men read it because we have these mature archetypes out there right. where when we talk about what, what does it really to what does it mean to be a man? We have these mature, healthy images mm-hmm. of a king, a warrior, a lover and a magician. And I'm just going to go through them really quickly. Yeah. You know, um, when we think of a, a healthy king, well, the kingdom, uh, the health of the kingdom is based on the health of the king. Right. Right, mm-hmm. and warriors are self-sacrificing. They're they're really protectors as well as self-sacrificing. They go they they'll put themselves in front of you know a fire or a bullet. You know they're they're out there to protect the community and to protect their their tribe. Mm-hmm. And then you have the magician who's the wise man who takes all this knowledge and he he he's sort of the medicine man. He he brings it back to the community and says you know you can heal this way. Right. And the lover is the one who sustains the community and, and, and is like the glue in the community and brings the, brings the community together. But each of these archetypes have shadow sides, and they have immature, what we call boy psychology sides. So for, for the king, you may have a dictator, someone who is a tyrant. And for the warrior, you know, I see a lot of young men um, falling into the bully or the gangster, and you know, or the or the image of you know the street yeah. st- street thug, and um, and then with the lover you have the addict and, and the ones who are addicted to excess, mm-hmm. and then with the magician you have those who manipulate you and mm-hmm. and are tricksters, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, when we try to uh, 
work with men and, and coach men and mentor men and, ther- and have therapy with men, we're often working to get them out of these boy, this boy psychology, right. this boy mentality into what it means to be a mature man and what it means to be a healthy man and, and what is, what is uh, manhood. And so, so I guess I'm asking you, you know, what, what's your take on what parents or uh, maybe men need to do to get involved with young people that Kendrick actually represent? Mm-hmm. I think the, it's, it's one of those like serenity prayer type of things, right? People get caught up because they want to, I got to do everything, right? I got to do this. I got to do that. It's like, no, what is your sphere of influence? Where are you spending most of your time? What do you do that you enjoy that brings you energy, right, as opposed to sucking the life out of you? And use that sphere of influence to create change. So if you have the time to mentor, mentor, right? right? If you can volunteer at the Boys and Girls Club or the YMCA or whatever the case may be so people can see positive role models and you don't have the time to do the one-on-one stuff, just, hey, I got an hour, two hours a week. I go, I coach a basketball team or I just, you know, I just show up and be seen. Um, Use your resources wisely, right? If you have uh, money, and instead of supporting companies and businesses that don't have the same vision as you, that don't help community, that don't put back into community, and they just bleed the people, don't support them. You know, I'm trying right, to be you right. know, political. I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna call out no names. Right. You know what I mean? But we you know we can definitely, uh, definitely spend our money wiser. Um, become, I think, one thing that people don't do enough politically involved. If you have communities that are destitute and desolate and aren't thriving, but you have people in places that you've elected. And they're not doing what you need them to do. Get them out of there and elect people that are going to do what they're supposed to be right. doing. Absolutely. Right? Politicians work for us. We don't work for them. Right. But we've lost sight of that. Right? If you think of uh, situations where you have corruption, you know, and there's people that you can elect. I'm, I'm trying to, again, leave this police thing. Now, this police thing is just heavy. You know what I mean? But right. if you have um, situations where you feel as there's injustice that's being done that's committed by any type of community organization that supposedly either your tax dollars or your vote can change you got to change that mm-hmm. um so being politically involved spending your money wisely uh mentoring uh one-on-one or groups you know whatever you have time to do but i think the most important thing for men that that are trying to give back what they have to do is be seen you know right um you have to be the problem that i find for me um in my limited uh intellect is that the issue we have with young men that don't have role models is that there's they're not there's nobody that's accessible, and the people that are accessible aren't good role models. You know what I mean? Right. If you have a community where the elders are 25 years old, right? Right. And they're the ones, the OGs. You know, when I was younger, OG was like 40, 50. Now an OG is like 25, 26. You know, and you know what OG is? Old guy. Well, that's fine too. He has an OG. <laughs> uh, he's just yes, the OG is a derivative of original gangster, oh, meaning that okay. they were somebody that was. If you were in a gang, they were older than you, I and see. they could show you the ropes, or you know, or if you're a community member, OG. So it transitioned out of you know old guy, you know, okay. right? You are yes, you are the old guy, but it had like a, a air of respect to it, you right? Know okay, and that's the OG, like, like the elder, like the elder, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So instead of just saying that's the elder, you had to be cool and right. say OG. 
Um, and so when your OGs are 25, 26, and they didn't have any good mentorship or any, you know what I mean, role models, uh, what do you think is going to happen? Right. You know? And so, like, you take a city like Chicago where they did a great job of locking up all the high-level drug dealers and, and gang members and, and gang leaders, but then you leave all the younger gang members, 14, 15 years old, who don't have respect for people, who don't have respect for the law, don't have respect for themselves, and they just murdering each other by the, by the hundreds, literally. You know, but if guys were in that community that could take those young men in and be seen as, hey, I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything, but I'm going to walk through life with you and do my best to try to encourage you. And despite the maybe the poor education system or whatever's going on, the poverty, the lack of jobs, the lack of resources, I'm going to do my best to just, again, pour into you in terms of lifting you up, um, uh, making you feel worthy, giving you a sense of pride, a sense of community and connection um, and just just being there. Just being there is so powerful. Just being present is so powerful. Um, and, I, and I, you know, without beating that dead horse, I think those are the things. Right. You and I have talked about this before, about young people needing advocates. Mm-hmm. When I was working in New York City, I worked um, in a nonprofit organization that I had created for um, street crime and, and prevention, gang pr- prevention. And I also was given offices in local um, schools, high schools, mm-hmm. and so I was sort of like the gang specialist, kind of dealing with Asian gangs. And what I would often tell teachers and parents and principals and other officials, public officials, is that you can't create a system that disenfranchises young men and then put them outside of the school and expect them to thrive and, right. and not get into trouble. Yeah. They need to get back into school. So I became a real heavy-duty advocate mm-hmm. for Every young man that I could get a hold of that was outside the school in the back, you know, yard or doing things that they shouldn't have been doing. And, you know, I'd bring them in and, and, and dialogue with the principal mm-hmm. and the teachers and say, OK, we got to keep him in school, you know, and and, you know, set up a, an advocacy program and a sort of a, a mentoring program yeah. that said, OK, um, I'm going to take some responsibility for this young man, man yes. and I'm going to um, um, track him so that he gets to the your system yeah. uh, with uh, the least amount of problem right. and that he gets an education and that he isn't disenfranchised with the system. He's not bitter that mm-hmm. people have put him outside and he's not joining gangs and yeah. causing problems. Yeah. You know, literally, um, you know, one year we were, we had up to 400 guys that we were taking care of mm-hmm. and we did this for 20 years. But I just think that it's so important that we get back into having individual advocates for yes. young men. Yeah. And I say this because it's usually young men that get disenfranchised. You know, we've come to a place in our society where we don't tolerate boy behavior, right. which is so unfortunate. Mm-hmm. It's so counterintuitive. Um, you know, we need to have uh, more support for boys and and allow them to have that rough and tumble you know safely and within boundaries of course we're not here advocating violence or anything like that but we're you know saying hey you know how do you take you know what we would think of as um aggressive boy behavior and turn him into a healthy warrior or a healthy magician or a healthy lover or healthy king you know you, you know he needs rites of passage he needs initiation and you know, the first thing is, is what, you know, I'm always thinking about is how can we be uh, their advocates? Mm-hmm. The sad part about what you're saying is that we push boys into 
negativity by demonizing their boy behavior. Right. We kick them out of school, like you're saying. We put them in alternative schools. We suspend them, expel them, you know, whatever that looks like. And instead of trying to figure out how to embrace that or channel that, we just put them out. And you push them into the arms of gang leaders. You put push them into the arms of uh, a life of crime or different things because these people will love them. The brotherhood, the fellowship, the father figures, the the the, the male the male figures they're looking for are out there, and they're waiting. It's almost like um you know young girls unfortunately in sex trafficking. Like uh there was some a friend of mine works for an organization here in Atlanta, and they were saying that I think I forget it was a high number like high eighties percentile wise wise of women who end up in the sex trafficking sex trade are from uh, uh grew up in a foster system. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? So it's just like, you know, there are systems that are at place that are supposed to be beneficial. The school is supposed to be a place we can grow and learn. Yes. But if teachers and systems aren't equipped to handle certain behaviors and all they want to do is suspend you, expel you, put you out, you're you're setting these people up for failure. Again, because you want little boys to sit still for three hours straight. And you know what I'm saying? Which is... Impossible. Impossible. Really. And when you can't sit you know. still for three hours, get them out of here. Right. You know, and again, don't get me wrong. There are some kids that have some behavior issues, you know, that might need some some therapy and some medication and maybe some other stuff. Yes. But I'm not saying dope our kids up. But, you know, there's some adjunct services that may be needed for some kids. But the solution is not putting them out and throwing them away because, you know, you reap what you sow. Right. Absolutely. So I guess I, I could ask you um how important is mentoring or life coaching for young men in preventing them from being caught up or dragged into uh, an institutionalized system? It's major key. Like it's, it has to happen. You know, there's, there's no way that people can succeed without elders, leaders, mentorship, and guidance. When you leave a kid, anybody, it doesn't matter where they're from, their racial makeup, culture, ethnicity. When you leave a, a young man to his own devices, He's just going to do stuff. You know what I mean? And so if you don't have a way to guide that, to rein that in, to lead uh, that energy and that that ingenuity um, in the positive direction, you're going to lose them. You know, I, I, would, I think about it all the time. We have so many guys in prisons who are geniuses. They can figure out how to create a tattoo machine. They can figure right. out how to make grilled cheese sandwiches. They can figure out how to sit notes and pass notes to each other and smuggle stuff in. They got cell phones in prison. I'm like, yo, if you can use this ingenuity on the outside for good, we'd be, man, this place would be amazing. The world would be amazing. But because you get caught up in a system, you get locked up in a prison, and you still have that brilliant mind, you just have to use it for deviousness. I mean, right. I think of people that I know that ha- come up with all these schemes, these harebrained schemes to get money off of people or to rob people or do silly things. And I'm like, yo, if you would just take that energy and apply it towards a job or apply it towards a trade or apply it towards you being a salesman, you know what I mean? You know, you you would be all right. But they just don't they don't get led in that direction. You know, guys don't come in and say, hey, instead of um, showing you how to cook crack, uh, how to take cocaine and make it crack. Why don't I teach you how to uh, uh, grow barley and hops and we can brew beer you yeah know what I'm right exactly. like craft beer is booming that right. industry is booming right and so right. that's my case in point is like yo if we could take that same ingenuity and that spirit and that chemistry power or whatever uh love for the whatever it is substances you know and, and change that substance into something positive or beneficial you know it'd be a whole different world out there you know but you know we like to throw them away put them out well i think we, we've learned a lot from kendrick's message and you know he does talk about leadership and being a leader and i think it's important that not only guys like kendrick but on the local level that we have more men you know step up to the plate and 
reach out to younger men and, and really attempt to mentor them. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think that it's so important for us to understand the difference between, you know, what it means to be a uh, to have boy psychology and then this uh, mas- uh, mature masculine psychology. We definitely see a lot of immaturity in, in the streets and we see a lot of immaturity everywhere. Um, and let me put it this way. We see a lot of um, immaturity uh, being blasted every day on TV and in politics. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like unbelievable. You know, we have a saying here, not every boy grows up to be a man. And, right. and there's plenty of that around to go around, not just one, in one community, but in the entire country. So, you know, I think that, you know, guys like Robert Bly, um, Gillette Moore, these guys really wanted to focus on helping men develop into more mature uh, uh, archetypes, more, more mature uh, men. And also with uh, Kendrick, I get the same sense from him, mm-hmm. that he's trying to influence the community to, to get them to think, right. especially young people, mm-hmm. to get them to think about these contradictions and these problems um, that he sees to share that consciousness. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that people that have similar platforms don't do the same thing. You know, what makes him different than, uh, you know, any other rapper that has a, a platform or any politician or any lawyer or any judge or whatever? It's just like, man. He has a idea of what he wants this world to look like and what he wants the world to look like for people like him that grew up like him that are from areas that he's from. And all he's trying to do is use his resources and what he does well to promote that idea, to push that agenda forward. And and in that, you know, he's I don't know, he's just he's just a a talented, brilliant young guy um, who I don't know, who just it's an it's. I'm grateful that I don't know what it what mentors he had before, what the leadership looked like in his life, but that he has people around him now um, that can help um, channel uh, his thoughts and ideas and move it in the direction of positivity um, and in a way that can lead to community growth and can lead to community development. And I and I, I get sad because I don't know why that doesn't happen more often. And I don't know if right. that, that comes from, you know, him just being who he is and DNA and the way he's wired. Um, or spirituality or whatever, you know, that's leading to that. But it's just, it's, he, he doesn't have to be the outlier, but for some reason he is, you know, and I, and I wish that wasn't the case. You know, I learned a lot from just talking with you today and also uh, listening to his music and listening to his interviews. And my hope for, you know, men of, of all backgrounds is to find, you know, their peace of mind and to, to live in harmony and and really to you know mature so that that we all become more lovers and more um, uh, caring for one another and you know to break the racial lines and to mm-hmm. break the community lines and to reach out and and care for one another you know so I I want to thank you for actually you know bringing this uh, to my attention and really speaking about these issues yeah no, I mean I, it was a pleasure. Uh, I mean, I, I hope, you know, I hope I did a, a decent job, you know, of, of introducing potentially Kendrick to our listeners that may not be familiar with him, but more so not just Kendrick, but just what he represents. Right. You know, the essence of who he is, the change he's trying to create, him understanding that therapy is necessary, talking about his depression, being open about his issues of um, self-doubt, um, shame, fear, guilt, um, hopelessness, but then also being able to point that into a positive direction. 
and taking that energy and that negativity and spending it into something not only that can encourage other people, but that can show him and people like him in a different light to people maybe like yourself that wouldn't have any interaction with him outside of me talking to him about him. You know right. what I'm saying? Or if you happen to hear about him or see him on an interview or somebody, you know, just he's creating that conversation and then it's allowing a bigger picture for people like him that come from environments like him to be humanized, right? To be made, not to be bad guys and the enemy, but people that need to be cared about, loved, respected, honored, you know, and things of that nature. So I guess when we talk, if if there's a young man listening today that really feels lost and but relates to uh, Kendrick, you know, we're, we're really saying try to get help, find help. You know, mm-hmm. if you're in, a, in Atlanta, you know, you can come and see us. Yes. Um, otherwise, look, look for mentors. Look mm-hmm. for someone that will help you to uh, mature into the man that you're meant to be. Yeah. And, and, take, and don't allow the anger and the frustration and the bitterness to become F the system. You right. know what I mean? And I'm going to be this animal you want me to be. Um, no, let that fuel your desire to do something different and to be better and to create change and know that it's going to take work. It's just like therapy. It's going to take work. It's not going to be overnight. It's not going to happen in one session. You know, it's going to take some time right. and give yourself that time to grow and to develop and to mature and make sure that you have people other than yes men around you. Right. You know, you have people that are going to be uh, concerned about your well-being and that can jack you up and, and correct you if need be. Like, yep. hey, man, that was a, a silly thing to do. You shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't right. have done that. You shouldn't have went there. Exactly. Let's think through that and, and do better next time. So with all that being said, I thank you, too, for participating in this conversation, you know, and I don't know. I learned was, a lot. Thank I did. You, thank I learned you. a lot. Yeah, that's good. And if there was any uncomfortableness or whatever, hopefully that didn't happen or it went away. No, it was good. Um, but yeah, so that's us, man. We are uh, of Myths and Men. Uh, we are here in the Atlanta Men's Counseling Center. We are here to serve guys. We are here to walk with you through life's transitions. We're here to help you set some goals, do some life coaching, do some therapy. Um, and most importantly, we just want you to understand that you're worthy that you have yes, worth and you mean absolutely something. absolutely we appreciate you listening and if you need some more good conversation from us listen to some more of the podcast or come see us in person yes all right well i'm john parker and i'm dr daniel david and this has been of myths and men thank you for listening to of myths and men podcast if you or someone you know may be in need of therapeutic or counseling services or even life coaching please don't hesitate to reach out to us our contact phone number is 770 770- Six seven four zero five five three. You can also reach us via email at contact at ofmythsandmen.com. That's contact at ofmythsandmen.com. Our web address is ofmythsandmen.com. And again, that's spelled ofmythsandmen.com. Thank you for listening.